Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. I'm going to continue my conversation with Miss C, a member of our community. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, go there, listen to that first, and then join us here. Before we get to that, so many of you are joining Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group, which is our daily live online group. We have multiple sessions a day in every single time zone. When you join, you get unlimited support. Our coaches are incredible. They get it without you having to explain anything, without you having to like justify how you feel. They can actually help you. You don't have to try to help them get it. They'll help you get it and help you know how to create peace and safety in your life. Check out the session schedule at btr.org and we'd love to see you in a session today. I've been reading some of the five-star ratings we receive on Apple Podcasts. Here's one called Peace and Safety. Peace and Safety, Peace and Safety. These are what I have now. I found this podcast two years ago and so wish I had found it sooner. I spent years trying to figure out what the heck was going on with my ex-husband. Now I know it was emotional and mental abuse instead of trying to find peace and safety for myself and my three children. I went in reconciliation. I yearned for it. He knew it and used it to draw out our marriage, all the while building a relationship with his girlfriend and her husband. All three live in what is now known as a polyamorous relationship, along with the couple's son. I hope new listeners going through what I did take Anne's encouragement to make the goal peace and safety and not try to figure out what is going on with their abuser. Thank you for the podcast, Anne. I now have peace and safety. Well, thank you for the five-star rating. Every single one of your five-star ratings helps isolated women find us. They are searching. They want to know what's going on. They're trying to figure out, is this pornography addiction? Is this a personality disorder? What am I supposed to do? How can I make my marriage better? They need to know that it's abuse and they need to know how to face this. If you haven't yet and you're so inclined, please help other women out by rating this podcast on Apple Podcasts or your other podcasting apps. Similarly, if you're on Facebook, we'd love a recommendation on Facebook. For those of you who are on social media, we always appreciate it when you share these episodes. You can go to our website, btr.org, go to the podcast section and grab those links and share those anywhere online. Okay, now to continuing our conversation with Miss C. Before we talk about it falling apart, during this pornography addiction recovery period of time, can you talk about what you did to try and establish safety and peace? Talk about during that time how you're, I'm sure, making this effort, right, to love and serve and forgive and support him and whatever you need to do to help him with his addiction. When do you start kind of realizing this is not working? Or maybe you don't. Maybe you don't realize it until it does fall apart. I don't know. Talk about that. I think it was a slow process. It erodes. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. It erodes your, not necessarily it didn't erode my faith in God. It eroded my faith in him. I think it wasn't necessarily the porn that did it. It was the lies that it takes to keep the porn alive. There's a lot of lies, financial lies. Where were you lies? The bus was, quote unquote, always late or traffic was always super heavy, you know, and he'd get home really late, hour, hour and a half past the time. That's because he would pull over and watch porn. 
I don't think I had peace. Maybe peace is around the corner. If we go to this camp, maybe we'll have peace. If we pray more, maybe we'll have peace. Was it sort of that kind of a place? I think for a long time, it was this, we're in this together. You've got this. Let's pray. Let's make sure that we're being careful about what's going to be on TV. We downloaded apps like common sense media that would take things out swear words and scenes and as long as we kept your eye on the prize a lot of my effort went into that and I do remember saying this much later was that one of the faults that I realized I started doing was I got in the Holy Spirit's way as long as I created this perfect environment for him you know sun moon and stars everything rised and aligned then he wouldn't be stressed because that was one of the things he said is I don't go look at porn because I want to look at these women. Porn started when I was 17 and it became this salve or this balm for rejection. So anytime I feel rejected or stressed in my life, porn won't reject me. So I'm going to go to it. I thought if I created this environment of perfection, then he wouldn't do that. That's why I say I, I don't think of I had peace. I was just constantly like running and keeping everything perfect and straight. I view those reasons why they use porn now not as an actual reason, but as a way to manipulate us, to make us feel sorry for them. Because there could be someone else who didn't have peace as a kid and they didn't look at porn, you know, so they don't give you some sob story. <laughs> you know what I mean? And now it's like, wow, I did not realize that all the ways he elicited my compassion, which was not legitimate. It was actually him manipulating me into managing him and to feel sorry for him and not hold him accountable. And it's hard to recognize, to admit to ourselves, wow, we played into that manipulation rather than setting boundaries. Oh, absolutely. There were so many times that I would feel this compassion. He would be standing there, you know, talking about how he, because also what came on board in the midst of all of this was a mental illness diagnosis. Mm, okay. So in the midst of all this came a suicide attempt then several weeks at a hospital for therapies and uh, diagnosis and medication. Okay. So this is also making you kind of feel sorry for him, I'm sure. Yes. Yes. He's mentally ill. This is why he struggles. He's weak. He needs me to step up to the plate. I'm going to have to, you know, take on some of the stresses, help with some of the finances and this kind of stuff. Keep the kids quiet. Don't let them be too rowdy when he gets home from work. You know, he needs things to be quiet. He doesn't like things to be out of control or whatever. So yeah, I didn't have peace until I left. I'm going to take a break for a minute to talk about my picture book called Trauma Mama Husband Drama. Here's a five-star rating we received on Amazon. It says, I think she has been inside my house. I love this book because I was able to understand what is going on with me and the quote-unquote game my husband was playing. He acted in secret, but for the world, he was a saint. With this book, I was able to explain the real abuse. If you haven't already, go to btr.org backslash books to see all the books that we recommend for you. It's a curated list. Every one of those links just goes straight to Amazon. 
Trauma Mama Husband Drama is an amazing picture book that will help you explain it to other people. Like this is what's going on with me. And it has a bunch of infographics at the back. Those of you who have given it a rating, thank you so much. That helps isolated women who were searching for things on Amazon, which a lot of women are, you know, books on narcissism perhaps, or books on how to improve communication. When they find that book on Amazon, even if they don't purchase the book, it often leads them to find the free podcast. So that helps a lot. So thank you so much for doing that. Okay, now back to my conversation with Miss C. So let's talk about when things fall apart. So you you don't recognize it's abuse. You're just doing the best you can. You're, you're not feeling peace, but you're trying to get to safety. You're trying to get help. And then what happens when things fall apart? And I'm guessing even when they fell apart, you didn't exactly realize this is an abusive relationship, even in that moment. But let's talk about how you get to that point where you recognize he's an abuser. Start with the falling apart and then how you came to recognize it. Um. So we had separated first time with children. And we had just gotten into a fight again about the pornography. There were just just phenomenal, colossal lies. There were points where I would catch him in the act of something and I would focus on making him stand up and be accountable for what he had said or done in the within this lie. And he would present evidence to the contrary. But then make me feel really bad. Like, are we going to struggle with this our entire life? I mean, for example, he had gone to a video store, rented some videos when I was gone. I saw the charge, asked about it. Why did he go to a video store? It's, you know, we can rent movies on TV. Like, why why do you have to go to a video store? And he was like, oh, I just wanted to get some Westerns. They remind me of my dad, blah, blah, blah. So I called the video store. Can I get a copy of this receipt? Uh, no, we don't do that. So I called him back and I said, I need proof. You know where we're at. I need proof that you're not lying. So he went to the video store. He came back with a handwritten receipt. And I called. I said, I need to know. So he gets me on the speakerphone with the company, the video store. And he's the guy answers and he said, yeah, I just came in and got a paper receipt from you. Can you explain to my wife that you can't send receipts or you can't do receipts over the phone or anything like that? And he's like, yeah, ma'am, we can't do any, we can't do any of that. What I sent is what we got. I am sitting there and I'm going, and so then he hangs up and he turns to me. Kids are crawling around us. Are we going to struggle with this our entire life? Are you just not ever going to trust me? I started crying. I'm, I, I felt bad. Am I so horrible that I can't even trust him for the smallest thing? Like, am I going to struggle? I found out that was a lie. He came clean with it. He let me cry. He let me apologize to him. And I asked him to forgive me. <sighs> with their children crawling around us. But he knew it was a lie. And he forgave me. That's evil. It is evil. So things like that kept happening. And I finally had had enough. And we got into uh, just a giant fight about it. And he found a roommate. And he left us just before Christmas just left 
I was just didn't even know what to do. He cut up cut us off financially because he had everything in his name and just left us. About I would say two months after he left, he started realizing that I shouldn't have done this. Kind of stepped back in and a few months later he came to one of the visits with the kids and claimed to have this Jesus moment and cried and begged my son to forgive him, begged me to forgive him and promised that he was going to, you know, do everything that he's supposed to do and wanted to come back home. And I said, no, you don't just get to come in here and say all the things you need to say and come back home. I'm going to have to see real proof. And so he went, instituted, you know, the covenant eyes back on his thing. He found two accountability partners. He went back to his group and he was all in and I bought it. I didn't want the kids to grow up without a dad and he was showing repentance and I knew it was my place then to forgive and restore and step back in, step back up to the plate. We got back together and four months later, I was born again. How do you feel about those sort of misapplied Christian principles now of like forgiveness and love? And what do you wish you knew about those principles that was misapplied in this scenario that you didn't know at the time? Well, I think one of the strongest ones that I do know is when this all blew up, and I was just had my moments of anger and just having to throw things against the wall. One of the things that I was most angry with was, and here I'm just a good little Christian girl taking it and feeling like I should take it because for better or for worse. And I'm supposed to stand by him. This is the covenant that I made. And so it's almost, I don't know, self-harming because it's like I chose him, so I got to put up with the abuse. When do you start calling it abuse? When do you recognize that, wait a minute, all this porn, all these lies, all this gaslighting, this has not been, I mean, sure, he's probably addicted to pornography, right? Sure, he's addicted to these things, but this, this isn't an addiction issue. This is an abuse issue. I have an abuser on my hands. When do you start recognizing, whoa, I've been looking at this through the wrong lens? I think it did start to turn when he had that come to Jesus moment, supposedly, and how quickly he turned on and off his Jesus. Right. So you, you, you start recognizing, wait a minute, this is grooming. This is not sincere repentance. Right. And I remember saying one day when we had gone and we had communion and I remember sitting there in communion. And when I have communion, it's me and God. And I'm just thinking and asking the Lord to help me to remind me of the things that I should repent of. And it's just me and God. I don't open my eyes. I don't pay attention to what anybody else is doing. It's just me. But this moment, I remember opening my eyes and looking at him and he's not, his head's not even bowed. 
He's not even in the moment. He's holding the cup. And I remember asking him later, I said, what does communion mean to you? What does that, what does that symbolize to you? And I said, do you realize that in that moment, watching you not participate in communion, I realized in the 20 some years that we've been together that I've never seen you fall on your face. When you say fall on your face, what do you mean by that? It's an act of submission. Mm. I'd never seen it. You mean like completely, totally submit himself to God's will? No. Not in our home. Not, you know, sometimes they'll have altar calls. I just had not seen a genuine call. And uh, he got really mad when I said that. But it was things like that. Those were the evidences where I started to kind of turn my head away from what was actually happening and watching all of the things he wasn't saying. Mm. Mm -hmm. And those were the things that I realized, like in the moments when he would make me cry, he would get very ugly. He would sit there and he would tell me like he liked to make me cry. It made him feel powerful. And I would tell him that's really sick that you're saying that or he didn't want to be made to feel ugly that way so if I cried then he would just leave he would just leave the room and so it was started to become things like that that I started actually looking up what is it you know what does this mean like why would someone treat you like this and certain people I would talk to and I honestly stumbled across material trauma recovery so you and I both are dying to know how Miss C found betrayal trauma recovery. We actually got interrupted at this point and we had to reschedule the interview. And so it's going to be a couple of weeks until even I find out how she discovered betrayal trauma recovery. So look for that in a few weeks. We'll have a couple of episodes in between. If this podcast is helpful to you, please support it. Go to the website, btr.org, scroll down to the bottom and click on support the podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there.